want to get service, selection, and price so low. The record archive is the place to go. Are. June 13th. Episode 165. 
2022. <laughs> <laughs> we started this episode off with Bailey Mason Liquors or BML from Rochester with the song Fried Chicken Pick It Up going out to Chris Popper. Have you by chance heard of the Dance Manias? No. Have you ever had a case of the Dance Mania? No. You know I haven't. Well, there was a time at Criff's house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, he- I heard about that. I don't think I was there, though. On June 24th. Only in spirit. 1374. It's so weird that there were dates back then. The first major incident. That's a weird thing to say. Of dance mania in medieval Europe broke out. It occurred in the German city of Aachen and then spread to other towns. And You've never heard of this? No. Me neither. So apparently individuals took up dancing and seemed unable to stop and soon others joined them. Accounts say the dancers hardly paused to eat or sleep for days and sometimes weeks. Oh, man. It was clear participants did not want to dance. They were described as grimacing, exhausted, and often in pain. And they shook and twitched as they continued to dance. Okay. So this was... This was some kind of uh, pandemic type of thing? It was a phenomenon. Mm. Yeah, interesting. It reminds me of... um, Do you remember... uh, Reefer Madness when the guy's playing the piano really fast. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so they sought out medical advice, and they were told that it was due to overheated blood. Mm. Didn't they? I think I read something recently on um, one of the treatments for overheated blood. Was I, it like bloodletting or something? I don't know. I've never heard of it. <clears throat> Um, but so a lot of people died. The results were fatal, and many people died through exhaustion. What year heart was this? A- heart attack and stroke. Um, it looks like it kicked off in 1374. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I feel like there's there's a cause. You know what I mean? Another suggestion... Um, was mentioned about poisoning from rye, which mm. is which produces um, LSD-like hallucinations. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you'd believe something like that. Maybe they had some fermented rye. Yeah, they might have. Yeah. All right, our guest today is Carl Roa from The Magic Elf and Treehouse and Roa's Ark. Um, let's hear a song off of the new... Roa's Ark EP, the title track, Joker's Wild. And then we're going to talk to Carl.
I think early 2000s, it might have been 2001, I was in a local uh, music store and I remember buying a uh, CD compilation called Lick This. And okay. Yeah. And um, the first song on that was The Magic Elf. Mr. Destructo. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> okay. I, I remember put it in. I played it, and I was blown away by that song. And out of all the bands on that compilation, Magic Elf was the only one that that I sought out and bought. And okay, so, that's that's cool. Yeah, I mean, um, that was a while ago, and yeah. I'm, I'm I I do remember that compilation. I believe it was put out by a, a guitar magazine named Guitar Two Thousand and One, but I'm yeah, that's, that I, I don't right. really remember. Um, it was yeah, it was a very long time ago. Yeah. Um, I know the song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, yes, Magic Elf. The first record came out in 1998, and that was a song from that first Magic Elf record. Yeah, it's a great record and a great song. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask. Uh, so I saw online. You know how when you when you look up something online, there's never any mistakes. <laughs> um, they somebody said that the Ma Magic Elf started in 1983. Is that true, or was it like um, 19? No, that's pretty. That's pretty much true. Oh, wow. um, I Dave Dave Miranda, the drummer for Magic Elf. He he and I went to the same high school, so mm -hmm. we met roughly in 1983. Mm. And um, we started playing, you know, uh, I had I had a bunch of ideas for, we were kind of into the same music, you know, we, we, we kind of have this mixed background of kind of being into the, uh, into the metal and rock and jazz fusion, like we, we kind of had a very wide variety of, of uh, musics we were into, yeah. including instrumental music, which, and progressive rock, so... Um, we started playing, and that band initially was called the Wayne Foundation, named after um, Batman. We were both also really big Batman fans. <laughs> oh, nice. And and then the uh, the Batman movie came out, and Batman got really mainstream there for a bit. So we said, "Well, we can't be called the Wayne Foundation anymore because, of course, we can't do anything that's mainstream. Right. Yeah, <laughs> we have to try to be a, as as obscure as possible." That was definitely the goal. Right. <laughs> And um, <clears throat> we changed the name to Magic Elf. Actually, the name Magic Elf, we were trying to find a name. And I remember Dave and I were driving in the car, and he uh, he was just like, well, man, we've got to come up with a name. And he slammed on the brakes and said, give me, give me the, first, the first name that comes to your uh, – give me the first name that comes to your head right now, right now. Just give me the name. And I just went, Magic Elf. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea why. <laughs> Anyway, that name stuck around for better or for worse. And so we started on that project, yeah, way back in the 80s. And then, um, and then you know, we went, I, I, we were in high school. So I, I went off to college. Dave went to college. And I ended up at the University of Miami. And I actually started another band. I mean, Dave and I were still staying in touch, but Magic Elf was kind of on hiatus, although I'd see him maybe during the summer. Mm -hmm. And, but I, I, started another band at a college called Treehouse. 
um, which was uh, which was a vocal project made up of University of Miami students, and we actually signed to um, University of Miami started a record label in 1994, and we were the first band signed to that label. Oh wow! And we recorded a record and. And I, I was writing music with vocals, <laughs> so you know I had a little run there. And um, we did a bu- we we did a bunch of stuff. And we we um, after the record, we we did a few tours, and we went out to um, California, and we played all those clubs out in the LA area. And um, I guess the biggest thing that happened during that time was I was living next door to OJ. Oh, wow. um, literally, you know, and he drove by in the white Bronco. Oh, that, was kind of, that was kind of exciting. <laughs> but yeah, we were we were flirting with a little bit of, of commercial success back in the day there. But anyway, when that band self destructed, then um, Dave and I, Dave w- was saying, "Hey, let's let's get back. I really, you know, I want to put together a studio and um, and record a record." And the um, the rec- the experience I had recording that Treehouse album. Uh, was was exhausting and and was not was not fun. To, there were <laughs> there were a lot of student engineers on the job. I mean, looking back on it, I get it now. I mean, p- people were learning, but it, w- it was very difficult to record. And we were recording at three o'clock in the morning, mm. um, and they were making they were racing tracks accidentally, and we have to go back and re-record oh. stuff. So it was really, mm. yeah, it was it was it was not a good experience the <laughs> first time through. So I said, wow, the idea of like being control of of the engineering side of it was seemed uh, interesting to me, but mm-hmm. of course I wasn't an engineer at the time, mm-hmm. and neither was Dave. But um, we did put together a studio in New York, <clears throat> and um, this is early on. Like now, pretty much everybody's recording. But you guys, if you guys go back to like you know mid '90s or so, yeah. um, the first well, first of all, the PCs were becoming more prevalent. Yeah. in people's homes right mm-hmm. i mean if we go back and also the first like you know pro level digital recording systems were were becoming available to people out of their homes versus being in an expensive studio right and it, there was a device but made by lessons called the adat i don't yeah. know if you guys are into the recording sound of all but we had some adats which were the kind of the first multi-track recording devices that you could have in your house and yeah we started learning all this tech I, I started learning technology or recording engineering and anyway to get to the point that was like 95 and it took us a few years to understand everything and i was also writing all this crazy music like mr disrupto mm-hmm. and um we recorded the first magic elf record um in a, in a basement studio and we released it as, as but and there was a it was very different back then i mean first of all there were cds you know cds were still very prevalent yeah but we did hook up with some distribution in europe and kind of got the record out there and um i was very very hopeful about that initial record and, and actually some i, I get, continue on with the progressive rock theme there i one day we we got an email after the record or i got an email from um ian anderson of jethro tull oh. But um, I thought it was fake, but it turned out really to be Ian Anderson, and he was, he was, um, he he had a lot of great things to say about the band. And, um, who else? I mean, there were there were a few different bands that we were in touch touch with, but the Elf Band, um, you know, we had our own internal problems about just kind of personnel and yeah. uh, certain members of the band 
not 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 myself, but certain members of the band, uh, just having uh, an aversion to playing live. Oh yeah, you know, just because of the music was so demanding. Yeah, um, and we were always kind of more of a, a science experiment in in, in the labo- laboratory, and so the the band always just had had a, it was more like an OCD band. <laughs> uh-huh. So in the studio, potentially you could kind of make things you know perfect, quote unquote. But live was a lot more um, scary, I guess, yeah. for, for certain guys. I mean, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus here. Yeah, no, that, um, that There's not sense. too many guys in the band. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we, we did come out with that record. And, you know, it, I've been doing it ever since. And then we came out with another record in 2003. Actually, we, we did a live recording in the middle. We actually ended up doing a live recording. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I, this, I mean, well, it's a very long story. But to get to Roa's arc, basically... Um, you know, uh, the Magic Elf project, which you mentioned, just we, I wasn't really 100% in control of that. And um, I want to release more music. Honestly, I have a lot of music that I've been trying to get out for uh, many, many years. And it's been quite a, quite a task. So in recent years, I finally said, you know, not to get into the philosophical stuff here, but I said, you know, I'm going to take 100% responsibility for my music and so i started the rose arc band where kind of i was the guy in charge you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was steering the arc and so i'm actually it, it, you know it, it's been a, a long while my last release was in 2013 so it's been nine years yeah and uh, but i'm really proud of this new record and, <laughs> and it's an ep but there's more music coming I, and i decided not to release a full-length album and print cds this is another topic and really i'm trying to learn about it yeah, <laughs> you know like yeah. the world's kind of changed in, in the last nine years in terms of releasing music and i'm trying to understand if cds are still relevant you yeah. know which it seems like most people don't own cd players now i know uh, everything is streaming so there's pros and cons to it you yeah, know yeah um but I decided to uh, just to go with the streaming release for now, mm-hmm. and I have another. I'm planning the next release probably sometime later this year. Again, EP, and then past that we'll see. I mean, I may release a CD or vinyl. You know, I'm, I'm looking into that as nice. another possibility. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> but I'm sorry for the long-winded answer. There's a there's a whole history of Magic Elf there. But that's true, and the fact that you even know about the band from 2001. That's you know. <laughs> No, that's a great uh-huh. answer. <laughs> I, it's hard to find. I don't know. I looking online about details about Magic Elf or you. There's not a ton there, besides yeah. your website. And then I feel like there's some other scattered websites that are very old that maybe have wrong information or. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, you know, again, you know, the the Magic Elf really it. it First of all, it's it's not technically dead. We, I consider the elf to be in hibernation, <laughs> uh, kind of caught in in a in an ice block somewhere in the North uh, Atlantic, <laughs> and he may thaw out one day and come back to life. It's possible, but you know, again, you know, the the project is really it's it it's belongs to two people, myself and Dave mm-hmm. Miranda, the drummer, mm-hmm. since 1983. Mm. So you know, it's much like a marriage. You know, you have to have everybody you know the two people steering the ship have to agree to be moving forward and you know you know life life happens yeah. <laughs> you know people people have different things to handle and dave's been very busy 
with other things in his life, which I totally understand. Mm -hmm. um, hence, like I said, you know, I, I just really feel the need to continue to do my best to try to make music while I'm still here. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so I just, I cobbled this arc and, you know, I, I met Dave LaRue and, uh, he, he, you know, he's been great and he's uh, really helped me push things forward. He's super talented, you know. Yeah, all the... Actually, I was a big fan of his for a very, very long time, you know. Yeah, he's been around a while, right? Yeah, Dave's been around probably since the early 80s and uh, I knew him as a fan from the Steve Morris, I was a major Steve Morris and Dixie Dregs fan. Mm -hmm. And um, that's one of the reasons I started playing when I actually saw the Dregs live. I didn't know who they were. I, I, I didn't know anything about the Dregs or Steve Morris, but a friend of mine in high school said, Carl, I got tickets to this show in, uh, at the bottom line in Manhattan. The band called the Dregs are really good. You should go. I mean, at that point, I, I mean, I, I was, I don't think I had seen too many concerts. I was maybe like 15, 14, 15 years old. So I was very young. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was, I, I was listening to a lot of rock music and, and uh, you know, Van Halen and uh, Black Sabbath. And, you know, I was more of a rock guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, my friend said, come, come. So I said, look, we're not even going to get in to this place. You know, we're, we're underage. And he said, oh, you know, let's just try. So... I mean, honestly, I don't. I can't imagine this going on today. Like two kids just getting, uh, going, you know, going into Manhattan on their own, unaccompanied. <laughs> <laughs> That's honestly what happened. So we got to the door, um, and we had the tickets. And the guy said, "You know, you, you're supposed to be. I believe you're supposed to be 18 and over." And he looks at us and he says, "How old are you guys?" Uh, and we go, "18." <laughs> and he's just staring at us. He's like, he's like. All right, go ahead, go in. You know, like as if like, uh, you know, yeah. obviously that probably wouldn't happen these days. Right. <laughs> but we got in and, um, you know, I got to see the Dregs play live. This was probably, this was one of their last shows before they broke up. Anyway, I had never seen musicians on that level mm -hmm. uh, playing, uh, you know, from 15 feet away. Were you playing uh, at that point? Yeah, I was playing. Yeah. I had been playing maybe for a year, uh -huh. you know, and... I was really into it, but I, I just never knew that, uh, it, you know, music, music, people could play that way. There yeah. was a few experiences I've had in my life that was truly uh, mind-altering. Uh, the, the next one was when I saw King Crimson, hmm. another friend, again, another high school friend said, hey, come check out this band. And this was their discipline tour, hmm. whatever year that was, mm -hmm. again in Manhattan. And um, that was incredible, too. I never heard that, you know, it was... Uh, Never heard people play like that. Um, but anyway, I was a real major Steve Morse fan, and Steve Morse had a, uh, he ended up doing a trio band with Dave LaRue and Van Romaine. Uh, Dave played bass, Van Romaine was a drummer, and they, mm. I don't know how many records they put out. I mean, 10 or 15, many. They played for a couple of decades, so I saw them many, many times. And then, uh, as fate would have it, when Magic Elf was doing some tours in, I want to say, 2017, I think, uh, we, we, we did a tour uh, on the West Coast, and the Dave LaRue band was on that tour, and I got to meet Dave. And, um, <clears throat> it, you know, he, uh, he had some nice things to say about my playing, and he started talking about possibly working together which was very surprising to me. And um, 
we, you know, we kind of hit it off. I mean, uh, you know, I think Dave shares a lot of the attitudes about music that I have. I mean, he's really into playing and mm -hmm. uh, he's still practicing. I mean, he's, he's a few years older than me, but the guy's still practicing, you know, every, you know, before a show he's there warming up and, and he cares about every single note. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's mm -hmm. kind of how I feel about it. So we kind of hit it off that way. Mm -hmm. And um, when Magic Elf wasn't, you know, we weren't able to get, we, we were planning on doing another record, and when that got put on hold again, I, that's when I decided just to move ahead and, and do this Rose Arc project with Dave. And then Dave was able to um, get Van Romaine, who's the drummer from the Steve Morse band. So it was, for me, it was a little surreal to be playing with Dave and Van from the Steve Morse band, who was my, you know, Steve, like I said, Steve was one of my all-time heroes. So I was a little concerned about that, <laughs> and I, t I spoke to Dave about it. I said, Dave, you know, I don't really want to have any comparison against Steve Morse, you know, <laughs> because, and it's all going to be hard to avoid that, you know, being that you two guys were in that band for such a long time. And he just said, Carl, just don't worry about it. And I said, okay. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to make music exist, you know, and, uh, but they, they've been great, you know, I mean, it's, it's been quite an experience to work with these two guys. Well, the EP sounds great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, we can't wait to hear more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, didn't those two, Dave and Van, both play with Vinnie Moore too at some point or no? Mm, I'm not sure about that. I mean, uh, I know, I mean, Dave may have played with Vinnie Moore. I, mm -hmm. I'm not sure if Van did or not. Mm -hmm. Um but uh, I know, I mean, Dave has played with, uh, he's, or he still plays with Pertrucci, John Pertrucci. Mm -hmm. Does his, um, he does the John Pertrucci band, just John's Trio with Mike Mangini. Mm -hmm. And I saw those guys not too long ago, and they were, re they were really great. And um, obviously, Dave also worked with uh, Joe Satriani for a few years. Mm -hmm. I know, I think they did a live record. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's worked with a bunch of, you know, both those guys. I mean, I, I know Van has done a ton of stuff as well. I, I know he worked with Kansas for a while, uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, you know, and also a bunch of, uh, you know, high-end pop acts. He does a lot of uh, uh, pop music as well and recording. Nice. Um, they're total pros, though. I mean, you know, they're, they're those guys... That they don't fool around. <laughs> yeah, they, they're really, uh, they're really on top of it. It's yeah. I'll, I mean, everything you do, the the playing is, everyone's playing is fantastic. I appreciate that. You know, um, well, well, I mean, as you know, from going back to Mister Destructive, I mean, yeah. you know, this has been going on for a while for me. Um, I'm still doing it. You know, <laughs> I'm an yeah. old man now, but I'm I'm still plugging away. <laughs> um, didn't didn't Dave? play on uh the second ludicrous record um yeah dave miranda yes yeah, yeah, yeah. um i don't know if it was the second one i'm not sure about what what number album it was but yes he played on the ludicrous album um and that was uh that, that's what i think it was sometime in the mid 80s yeah yeah and right before they turned it to scatterbrain yeah yeah you know yeah. Um, and I forget the name of that album. Um, was it a uh, power trap maybe? Yes. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> nice. That's right. Yeah. He, he did that record and I know they, th those guys did some touring, uh, as well for a while. And then Dave also played in, uh, the six and violence. I don't know if you know that band. 
another thrash band from the eighties slash nineties. I've heard the name, but I'm I'm not familiar with them. Yeah, they they were they were great. Um, Kurt uh, Kurt Stenzel was the writer. He had he had a lot of really great ideas, and um, they definitely had a different take on things. But yeah, Dave 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 did several projects back in the day, aside from Magic Elf. Mm. So yeah, uh, more more metal thrash kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. What um, what style was Treehouse? Treehouse was was definitely more pop rock, um, kind of you know with progressive tintings. Everything I do has a bit of that, mm-hmm. but it, it was leaning a little bit more in the Peter Gabriel mm. Sting direction, mm-hmm. honestly. And um, were you singing too? Oh no, no. no we we had a vocalist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it um it was a it was guitar, keyboard, bass, drums, and vocals. It was a five piece band, mm-hmm. and uh, all those guys were really su- super talented. Uh, uh, the keyboard was the keyboardist was Jeff Babko, who's going on to do a lot of stuff, um, play on a ton of albums. Um, so he's he's doing really well. I'm trying to think. I think Dan. Uh, Pinder, the the bass player, went on to do audio work for for um, movies and whatnot, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, they were, you know, really talented guys from the University of Miami. Every everyone at U U M was really talented. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you you couldn't really be in school. They they were very strict <laughs> without mm-hmm. having a certain degree of competence. So mm-hmm. a lot of really talented. That was probably the the some of the best years of my life, you know, because during those college years, I was, all I had to worry about was making music, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I had a meal card and a, and a room. What and did, so, what did you I was study there? I able to concentrate on the music without any distractions. So that went on for a little bit, you know. What did you study there? Music. Yeah. Yeah. I graduated in, I graduated with, um, with a, jazz degree actually i actually went into the school as a composition major mm-hmm. and when i say composition i mean in in the classical department i didn't have anything to do with the uh, the jazz department and you got to remember this is this is now late 80s or mid mid to late 80s and there weren't a lot of choices for music schools back then yeah um you had you had university of miami you had uh, north texas i believe and then I think GIT was just coming into existence. There were very few mm-hmm. formal places. Well, then you had uh, what was a Juilliard in Manhattan, mm-hmm. which was strictly classical. Yeah, but there weren't too many places that had an electric guitar program, you know. And um, I actually, uh, I actually went to Berkeley College of Music for the for two years out of high school, and um, and I had just I was only playing for a couple of years before going to Berkeley. Oh. And I really wanted to study classical guitar, and mm. I was really into writing. Mm. And Berkeley didn't offer classical guitar, um, and I started looking at University of Miami. And I, I ended up getting a scholarship, compositional scholarship to UM, so I decided to go. Nice. And I think it was a good decision because, I, you know, uh, the school there, they, they were just much more strict, you know, which was, which was a good thing if you were able to decipher that 
Yeah. It was kind of like, um, you know, like I, I would liken it to being in, in the military and the Marines where they, where they try to break you down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you could deal with that mental thing. Yeah. But I mean, I was kind of, I was very much into the math of things. I wanted to understand how the, like how music worked from the, you know, the whys of music. And they were really, really good at that. I mean, I, I don't really feel anybody can teach you how to play, Yeah. you know, but you can learn, you know, the music theory is very much, it's very much like math. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I, wa- I was just into that. And, I, and honestly, the best thing about UM was that I was just surrounded by other people like me who were really into music. And I, I mean, I was, what happened was, I mean, I, I was doing my composition work, but I was jamming every night because there were a lot of great, you know, on, with the electric players in the jazz program, um, there were jam sessions going on every night till probably about three o'clock in the morning mm. with really great players every night. Um, so I just was hanging around with the jazz guys a lot and I, I kind of got into that. So I actually, within the music school, I switched to a jazz major mm. and um, I ended up graduating with a jazz degree. But, you know, I was, I was always writing, you know, I was writing back in, in the... When I told you when I met Dave Moran, the early Magic Elf days, I was writing then. And, um, and then even after I got out, you know, the um, that Treehouse Band, right after I got to school, we started the Treehouse Band. And that's when we, uh, you know, signed to the University of Miami label and we put out that album. And then we were we were doing that for a while. Hmm. Well, I mean, I was, I've been trying to do it since, I guess, really since 1983. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, this has been the plan since 1983. So I... I hope you, you know, it's, I guess we're about 40 years in now. So. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a preference between, like, if you had to choose between writing and recording or playing live? Do you have a, a preference? Um, you know, I, I, I really love both. I think both have their place. You know, mm-hmm. there's something about, um, you know, obviously, if you, if you can make a record, uh, in theory, that's something that can just continue to go on for, you know, arguably forever. Yeah. You know, people can enjoy it. Having said that, I think that there's a, a connection that you can make to the audience in a live setting. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've felt it that you cannot experience through a record. You yeah, know, definitely. Um, I think uh, that live interaction ca- can be special, you know, if, if all the ingredients are there, if you're fortunate enough. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they both are extremely valid and they're both important. You know, if if I could only have one, I mean, hmm, I, I guess I might choose the recordings, you know, because that's something that can live on forever. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I mean, ideally, I'd love to do both. I mean, the COVID thing is kind of, you know, I haven't, there hasn't been much, too much playing for me anyway in the last few years not that there's been a lot of playing going on in the last several years anyway but yeah. covid really kind of put an end to that for a while so i i hope to be although i did i have done some gigs here um i actually hooked up with with some really great players i'm in, I'm in the tampa area mm-hmm. uh but there's um the guys who uh uh, uh Aldemiola's musical director mm. uh, is a great percussionist named Gumbi Ortiz and he has he has a project so I met him through through a mutual friend and we started jamming so I actually did some gigs with with Gumbi and the Aldemiola guys which was a lot of fun <laughs> that's cool you know those guys were great you know I was trying to learn some of Al's tunes and that was that was a little challenging <laughs> um what what is your what's your day job? 
Is it music? Um, well, honestly, since the late nineties, I've, 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 I've out of school, I mentioned that I, I graduated with a music degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surviving exclusively as a musician mm-hmm. on my own. And I was, I was doing all the typical things that, you know, most musicians would do. I was playing gigs and I was teaching, mm-hmm. um, Later, as I mentioned, I kind of learned recording engineering um, through that Magic Elf project. So, moving into the 2000s, I actually started doing work as a uh, as an engineer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I ended up mixing people's records and doing mastering sessions and recording sessions. Mm-hmm. And I was I started also doing uh, instructional materials for uh, guitar magazines and product demos. So. Mm-hmm. That that's been a large part uh, of what I've done to survive. Yeah. Um, but I also um, taught myself software development. Oh. So I'm also a computer programmer, oh, nice. uh, software developer, and I've also been doing that since the late '90s, which I also love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I I build software, so hmm. um, I'm. I guess one of my I, I guess one of my issues with music is well one of the things I've realized about myself again I'm like I said I'm kind of an old man now uh, is that I'm pretty stubborn about what I want to do with music mm-hmm. and um, I I just always wanted to do my own thing mm-hmm. you know for them and I when I was trying to you know make more dollars I just couldn't play you know the club dates or I just didn't want to do musical things that I that I didn't enjoy because honestly, man, I just loved music so much that it just felt like a you know for me it just felt like a bastardization of of what I love so much. If that makes sense, sure. you know, that's just how I felt about it. And yeah, I totally understand musicians who are trying to make a living, you yeah. know, just playing any gig. But for me, I just I couldn't do that anymore, you know. Yeah. So no. I just tried to find another way to supplement the income and honestly software development is a great field and I, I found something else I really enjoy again what I what I found when I got into the software development thing I actually started consulting in Manhattan for a while until they blew up the World Trade Center mm-hmm. um, but there were a lot of musicians you know doing software development you know so it must be I think there's a correlation mm-hmm. between software developers and, and composers and musicians that mm-hmm. part of that creative part of the brain, I think, yeah. helps. Yeah, you know, so that makes sense. But I, I'm still doing software development. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I was doing some today. <laughs> you know, I, I write code a lot. You know, hmm. that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So it sounds like your family was supportive of your music journey. Um, certainly, my parents were. You know. Um, Honestly, it was many years later that I found out on both sides of my family, uh, they were they were musicians. So there were a lot of musicians, and there were a lot of well, I shouldn't say a lot, but there were a few soft uh, computer people and programmers. But I didn't realize this till later. Um, ironically and then there was some insane people (laughs) it's kind of that mix you know you had musicians you had computer people and you had lunatics (laughs) well i'm glad you got the good traits (laughs) the lunatic side you mean (laughs) (laughs) what um 
just curious what uh programming languages do you work in most um well i actually started in visual basic back in the day mm -hmm. uh but uh, i'm the microsoft guy mm -hmm. so uh, my main language right, that I code in is C Sharp, so I, mm -hmm. I use C Sharp. I, it's a Microsoft stack. Mm -hmm. uh, SQL Server, .NET. Uh, um, those are my, you know, primary language. I mean, there's a bunch of technology uh, uh, side stuff. You know, JavaScript. Uh, you know, it all works together. SQL. Yeah. yeah sure. You know, it all works together. Sure. But yeah, C Sharp's my my main programming language. I've been working on C plus plus because my daughter is in her first year of uh, college and she's studying computer science and she started courses on c plus plus so i actually started helping her with that so that's cool I i'm really into it i mean i i i love studying uh software development um so learning c plus plus is great you know i'm I am actually looking at new, brand new. There's so much happening in terms of AI, and this, yeah. there's a lot to study. I'm just trying to figure out what I want to allocate time to because I just don't have the time <laughs> yeah. to learn it all. You know, I just can't. You know. Yeah, there's tons out there. Yeah, it's it's incredible. You know. Um, what do you think of when you mentioned AI? What do you think of uh, like a lot of the plugins for like recording software for like DAWs? have like ai features now what do you think of that kind of stuff are you talking about where it's not required that you play an instrument to create a tune kind of thing well that too but like um say for mixing like there's a mix assistant that's like an ai thing and it kind of listens to your song and fixes the settings and gives you like a kind of a rough mix of i mean you can adjust it but Right. Like I know Isotope well, has that, a bunch of them have that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, I've, in terms of the mix assisting, I've heard of that. I've heard of it, but mm -hmm. I have not utilized or I haven't tested it of mm -hmm. any of those tools myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, <sighs> I think it can help people potentially who are not engineers yeah. get something in the ballpark so that you can hear the music, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the engineering side of it, you know, I, I guess anything that helps make music exist is good, mm -hmm. you know, but having said that, I mean, I'm, I'm uh, you know, one of my big issues about music is, or, or newer stuff that I hear from, I have, I have two daughters who play me a lot of newer material, you know, and I'm talking more in the pop zone, you know, is that I just don't hear a lot of real musicians playing the yeah. instruments. Yeah. And yeah. while I, the, you know, and while the vocalist may be talented, I mean, I've heard some good, I, you know, being tried totally open-minded about it and hearing some of the stuff versus just dismissing it as crap. Right yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pardon yeah. me. I, you know, uh -huh. honestly, I do go in with open ears. And so I've heard some really uh, beautiful progressions and melodies and even some chord changes from stuff that my daughters have played me i've heard stuff uh, i'm gonna throw out some you know mike madison beer billy eilish um, mm -hmm. um post malone mm -hmm. i i've heard some stuff that i thought was i was like wow that's that's cool that's that's a really nice melody or those are some really nice chords you know mm -hmm. uh but uh, my main problem with a lot of that music though is that i just feel a missing human element because everything is kind of, it sounds like a computer is playing it because you know what? A computer is playing it. Yeah. yeah. So I think when, for me personally, 
uh, although I may latch onto things that I can appreciate about it, I feel a little bit hollow. So, yeah. uh, you know, like I, there's nothing I can, I can, there's something that's, it's almost like eating a plastic steak, if that makes sense. Like it's not <laughs> real, you know? It's and so it, it, I, I just start losing a little bit of interest or there's a disconnect for me, you know? Um, and it almost doesn't have anything to do with the genre, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I'll, I'll put on some Carpenter's music, Mm-hmm. You know, I'll put on Karen Carpenter. I'll listen to one of her tracks from like 1970, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's just so goddamn good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm listening to yeah. it. I'm like, this is amazing. It just sounds so real. Right. Because it is real. Right, right. And so in terms of your question about AI, I think there's a fine line where, you know, I'm into stuff that can help people make music and mm-hmm. realize their their aspiration. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I'm really personally, you know, if if people aren't playing and, you know, your, your computer's playing, and I guess that can tie into mixing, perhaps. I mean, I mean, uh, maybe not. I mean, I guess if you're, you know, you're really strict about it. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, I, I need to hear the musician. I need to hear music. You know, it needs to move you. At the end of the day, right, you need to be moved by music. And if the computer can move, move you, then I guess it's all good. Yeah. But my, my biggest issue with, you know, the technology stuff is... You know, when when people try to use it to substitute for real playing, you know, I tend not to prefer that stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so that's that's my comment there. I'm not familiar, like I said, with the mixing plugins mm-hmm. to to auto mix. If the, you know, yeah. I haven't checked that out. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm sure it it probably gets it in the right direction. But I, you know. I don't think anybody's really doing that in in a professional setting, <laughs> you know, like right. that. That right. would be something for someone who's just trying to get some music done, right? And they need some assistance, you know. Right, right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so between the Magic Elf days and Rose Arc, you put out some kind of solo stuff, right? Yes. Um. I wanted to ask you about Captain Courageous, which ended up on the Warmth in the Wilderness, Jason Becker tribute. Um, how did how did that kind of come to be? Um, well, we got asked to play on that Jason Becker tribute, and I, I guess I started, you know, I, I wrote that tune, and um, I... I'm trying to remember who put that together, honestly. It's, that was a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but the title was for Jason, you know, because of his story. And mm-hmm. um, I would say that that's, he is Captain Courageous, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a, that's pretty, his, his, uh, his story is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was happy to be a part of that. And, you know, um, Jason was a, was a phenomenal talent. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was a real tragedy, but you know, he's he's still pushing forward, you know, yeah. even to this day. So it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it is. I can't believe it. He's still he's still here. Yes, it's amazing. Did you did you see his uh documentary? Not that yet? I have not. Oh. Oh, it's life changing. You should see it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I will. It's it's on the agenda. Honestly I there's that. I haven't seen uh, the Rush uh, time stand still. I'm a little behind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Rush fan. Uh, yeah. 2112 was the first record I ever bought, mm. <laughs> you know. 
So Rush, Rush, Rush was a huge impact on me, and mm-hmm. and still is, you mm-hmm. know. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm a little behind. Yeah. I, I have to, I have to watch the Rush uh, movie and also the Jason story. <laughs> so you, um, you have a couple instructional DVDs, is that correct? Yes. Yes. Are you planning on doing more, or just the two at the moment? Um, at the moment, no. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I. I do want to get back into doing some instructional videos. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, you know, in terms of the DVD, I'm not sure. If, I, I don't know if DV, instructional DVDs are still a thing. <laughs> still, like I said, I'm trying to figure this all out. Yeah. In terms of the new world here with uh, the streaming. I know. But, I, but more importantly, though, I, yes, I, I would love to get back. In, what, one of my, one of my uh, items on, on the agenda are to do more instructional material and mo- more uh social media material mm-hmm. you know um and obviously with this new m- my main concentration over the last several years has been trying to get this rose arc floating mm-hmm. so um that was a little bit of a project because i actually getting back to the ai stuff um with rose arc when when i started that um uh, i didn't have a drummer and i was and dave LaRue was was very busy touring with with the various projects so he he recommended I just go ahead and and lay all the music down you know write the music finish writing the music finish arranging the music mm-hmm. and use the use MIDI drums meaning drums generated by the computer that yeah. I write in and MIDI bass meaning yeah. The computer would play the bass, so my initial versions of the uh, of these tunes, because there's more than the three that are on the CP, were all done where I played real guitar, mm-hmm. but everything I pro- I programmed the drums and I programmed the bass, mm-hmm. and then I handed the music off to Dave and I handed the music off to Van, and then they recorded their tracks to it. Mm-hmm. But that's a situation where the AI kind of helped me, you know, the, yeah. the, com- the digital technology in terms of being able to write notes and have the computer play it was sure. a real aid to me, but it also took me a lot of time, yeah, you sure. know, cause I was writing in, you know, you know, drum hits one at a time. So it took a lot of time to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, and I already mentioned C sharp and my programming and everything else that's going on. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just a matter of trying to find a, uh, a musician in 2022 trying to find the balance of, yeah. you know, doing all these things, right. you know, in terms of, let's say, if you have another job for me, which is software development, right? practicing my guitar, you know, because I, I need to practice pretty much every day to, to even maintain anywhere near the ability to play that stuff that's on that record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then obviously writing. And now I, if I want to do instructional materials, you know, I, I, those DVDs, by the way, I, I did, you know, I did the editing on those, you know, I put that all together after mm-hmm. I had people helping me with the cameras, but so I had to learn how to do video editing. And so mm-hmm. there's so many jobs that you kind of have to learn, yeah. you know, yeah. and um, there's just not, you know, like I said earlier, there's just not enough time. So you try to pick and choose. So the, the answer to your question is no, I don't have any instructional DVDs planned, but I do want to get back into making shorter instructional clips and posting them on social media. Yeah. You know, um, so that's, that is on the agenda, but I don't, I don't know about the DVDs or CDs. I mean, I don't know if you guys have any insights on that. Are, are DVDs and CDs still selling? By, is that 
what do you guys think? <laughs> um, yeah, we've we've talked about that too, and uh, I think I think certain styles of music, um, people still buy CDs, but I feel like the average listener maybe doesn't. But mm. people that are really into like niche stuff, yeah, I think they do. But um, yeah, it's that's a hard question. I don't know. Right. I mean, you know, uh, cars don't have. I mean, I have my car has CD player in it. Mm -hmm. and my car is from 2011. Mm -hmm. But there's typically, you know, any newer car doesn't have a CD player. You know, mm -hmm. um, so I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's kind of like does does a full length release make sense anymore? That's another, um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm also trying to figure that. I mean, I I've never released an EP on streaming format mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm you know, um, this is all kind of new for me. Mm -hmm. But you know, what's cool about it is that it it's easier for anybody to hear the music on at a drop of a hat yeah because <laughs> you know, everybody has their phone on them you know yeah so you could stream these tunes like within seconds i mean i have i have a couple of streaming apps on my phone i use um title and apple mm -hmm. music mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and one really cool thing i have to admit is like someone could say carl check out you know band xyz any you know any band and i can type it in yeah. and i can bring up their music within seconds yeah or anything that i can pretty much think of i can type it in and you know, stream. I can I can use Bluetooth to play it in my uh, my home speakers here, and I can be listening to it. Yeah, and that is pretty credible. It you is. Know? Yeah, um, and I do appreciate that. So I mean, there's pros and cons. You know, mm. having said that, um, while I don't have a turntable anymore, more mm. I have a good friend who who does have a turntable and a beautiful uh, stereo system, and the and the experience of sitting and listening to a piece of vinyl is magic. Yeah. Yes. You know, mm. I mean, it is just magical. So. You know, there's uh, oh, the other thing I will mention that I, I'm seeing about the streaming, at least with Tidal and Apple, and I assume the other ones, um, is that they do offer lossless streaming mm -hmm. or high fidelity streaming, which is at 1644 one, mm -hmm. which is CD love CD quality in theory. You know, but it, it it's definitely better than it was. I mean, honestly, yeah. MP3s for me were were not typically enjoyable you know to listen to right but um now that uh, with title and apple music they offer the uh, higher streaming mm -hmm. uh capability I, I do think it sounds pretty good you know yeah. i mean it doesn't sound like a piece of vinyl to me right you know but it, it's better it is. and that definitely. makes me happy mm -hmm. you know it's definitely getting better for sure it's definitely yeah it, and that's great i mean as technology improves and the streaming capabilities improve and the ability for the uh your device whether it be a, an iphone or whatever to hold more data etc improves and the processing power improves and you know they're they're ramping up the quality of the uh, audio which which is good because it's just more enjoyable yeah. you know for me yeah. you know and i think for everybody if, if you get a chance to hear it that way you know yeah for sure Let's take a break and listen to the first song I heard by Carl Roa, which happened to be Magic Elf's Mr. Destructo off of 1998's Elf Tales. <laughs>
Do you offer guitar lessons online? Um, the, the answer is yes, mm. although I, I haven't been doing any lessons over the last year because of my schedule, mm. but I have. I have done many online lessons mm. um, through the years, but for the last, for 2022, I cut back on that because I was... I've had so little time because I've been trying to get this record out, yeah. which which I you know which I did. I mean, I, I actually have, I'll have another one coming out again soon, like I mentioned earlier. But mm -hmm. uh, but yes, you know I teach. You know, mm -hmm. um, actually I've been contacted about doing some clinics, so that may be coming up soon too. We'll see. Mm. Live yeah. <laughs> with cool. humans in the room. That's cool. <laughs> what do you? What are your thoughts on um, microtonal music? Have you? Would you ever play a microtonal guitar on any of your recordings? Um, I, th I first of all, I haven't listened to any microtonal stuff. I, I did honestly back in my uh, my school days. Mm -hmm. um, I ha I can't really speak to microtonal because I haven't. I'm not familiar with it in mm -hmm. terms of um, artists who have. Release that. I, having said that, of course, I would, I'd be interested in it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think part of the problem for me is that, and and a lot of, you know, the guitar is microtonal in one one sense because yeah. you know the bending of the strings allows you to get notes that are in between two notes, right. which is which is very common in blues music. Honestly, mm -hmm. you know that that minor third to the major third kind of sitting somewhere in between there. Yeah, yeah. but. Um, Microtonal music means, uh, you know, you don't mean atonal, right? You're talking about microtonal because yeah, when we talk about music that we're familiar with, uh, or most people here in the United States, let's right. say, um, we're talking about 12 tones. So you have, right. you have the octave divided into 12 equal parts. So when we talk about microtonal music, we're talking taking that octave and breaking it into more numbers over 12. Exactly. So I know, let's say, for instance, Chinese music, and I believe Japanese music, they have their their octave is not twelve notes. I don't know how many I don't know how many notes are in their octave, but it's more than twelve. Mm -hmm. That's why you hear people say that sounds Chinese to me because most people find your ears are not tuned to that. Right, right. You know, so it sounds weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I if if I have enough time. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, of what's left, I would love to get into that. I mean, there's a lot of things I'd like to, you know, uh, experiment with. You yeah. know, um, atonal, atonal music, right? I mean, most of the stuff that I'm writing is is uh, following traditional harmony, but right. there's a lot that you can experiment with. But I mean, right now, I, I'm I think I'm fairly obscure, so I don't know if I want to push myself into further obscurity by going. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, people. I'm already getting people like, Carl, why don't you record something with vocals?" So you know. <laughs> and now, if I go to microtonal music, I'm, you know. Yeah. So you, microtonal with vocals. <laughs> Micro, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, look, that might be a commercial hit. I mean, these days you never know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what What would you say is the biggest difference? Um, in the music business, now compared now compared to when you first started out, 
I mean, I mean, when I first started out was in in the eighties, so everything everything's totally different, mm. you know. Obviously, um, you know, technology has changed the way things work. Yeah. I mean, the Magic Elf, we were able actually able to sell music and make make money, um, I mean, some money anyway. You know, I mentioned those distribution deals, and so money was actually coming in from CD sales. Mm-hmm. Now. I think it's pretty hard to make money from selling music, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, even for well-known bands, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think that's why they, they, they tour, you know, because the only way for them to make money is through, through the tours and maybe selling, you know, merchandise like shirts, but right. I don't, yeah. people, people aren't really paying for music, right? Is music free now? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's really difficult to record albums, you know, um, because there's really no, it's just hard to get any return, financial return on that. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, if you have established fans, you know, and you're able to tour extensively, I mean, you, have, you know, you could do pretty well. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really hard to get into that position, you know. Um, so, but by the same token, that same technology that has taken away um, the you know getting paid for for the music is also allowed music to exist you know make makes music easier to create for musicians like you know like i said you could you could pretty much record an album at home right now uh on your laptop yeah <laughs> you know mm-hmm. uh and then you can put it on youtube and you can you can get it on out uh, on social media and if you know people can hear it you can certainly build a very large fan base so it's a it's a double-edged sword yeah you know, but you know, it sure would be nice if if some money could come in from the music just to from the selling of the music or from the actual album, so it makes it easier to make records. You know, yeah, uh, that would be nice. But yeah. I don't know how that's going to change. I mean, it's going to take a tremendous um, restructuring of the of the record industry, and you're going to have to get cooperation from companies like Spotify and. Mm-hmm. Apple Music and Amazon, they're all going to have to agree, and that's probably not going to happen. Right. <laughs> you know. Right, yeah. Yep. Do you have any bucket list items, either as a musician or in general? Uh, well, as far as music is concerned, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I... I just... I'm, I'm working on that bucket list right now by just getting... Get, making these making these records and releasing them because i as i mentioned i've had a, a really hard time getting music out um and so i am now dedicated to just making music exist having having something to present release every year or every six months is is kind of my new goal and and quite honestly i i have all the powers to do it now because after decades of training <laughs> not only on, I don't necessarily mean on the guitar, but that's certainly a big part of it. But in terms of being a writer, uh, a composer, a a producer, a mixing engineer, a recording engineer, mastering engineer, a band leader, you know, um, I I have all of that there in front of me, or capability, all those capabilities. So it's totally up to me now, which is a cool thing. The one thing I'm not great at though is, is marketing, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that's, that's always been a problem. So, but I appreciate you guys putting me on this radio show. So like I said, um, yeah, the marketing side is something that I I need work on, but you know, well, we appreciate you coming on. 
And My pleasure. And a lot of what we generally play is like really, you know, heavy death metal kind of stuff, black metal. But a lot of our listeners really appreciate good musicians, yep. good guitar players. We've had, you know, people on in the past and those shows do pretty well. Yeah. People That's like, great. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I I have that element, I feel, in, you know, th there's that, it, it's funny, I, when I was playing with Dave, Dave LaRue now, we played, uh, actually, we played as Magic Elf. Um, so, Magic Elf, and we, we played somewhere in, uh, I forget the name of this center, but it was like more of a, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't a rock club, you know, it was like where they had jazz concerts or so, like, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of a place. Mm -hmm. And it was, oh, I don't know if should be, I should be telling the story, but anyway, we, we, got on, <laughs> we got, we set up, we got on stage and, you know, the guy, the guy running the place, you know, we said, he said, okay, guys, do a sound check. So we're doing a sound check. And he went nuts, not in a good way. He's like, what? He's like, you, he, he said, guys, guys, you know, you, you guys, you guys are like a metal band. <laughs> you know, this, this, this is a sound stage. Like, you, you know, I mean, he, he wanted us to play, you know, Girl from, Girl from Ipanema or something. I mean, I'm not sure what was going on. I don't know how that it got, kind of gets set up, but it, it wasn't a good scene, you know, and uh, it almost came to fisticuffs between him and Dave. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, not, well, I mean, you know, it, so my point, though, is it's like the jazz guys would hear us and they, it's like, you guys are a metal band, but probably the metal guys would hear us and go, what are you guys, jazz? You know, right. so. <laughs> what are you guys, jazz playing? But I mean, there's that, I think there's that metal el element, you know. Yeah, I mean, definitely. There's a little bit of an edge to some some of the stuff anyway, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's part of what I grew up listening to, you mm -hmm. know, so it's always going to be in there. Um, I, I saw you in 2003, I believe. You came to... We're in Rochester, well, right by Rochester, New York, and um, you played at a place called uh, Steel Music Hall, and it was with um, Reggie Hendrix and Joe Stump. Okay, and, uh, yeah. And I was, I got to be honest, I was so excited. I'm going to see three elves playing this music that I love, and um, I saw Joe Stump getting changed in the back of a U-Haul, and I thought, oh, maybe the elves are going to come out of there too. But um, it was you playing with, I think, a, a backing track, and you didn't have an elf outfit on, but <laughs> but you did you did play great. Yeah, I I think I remember that gig, but yeah. um, I don't remember why we weren't playing as as a trio or as the band. I honestly, I don't remember the details, um, other than to tell you that you know for the last forty years. You know, I've been trying to get three or four musicians on a stage to play this music. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And whatever the reason is, I mean, there's there's probably a, a boatload of reasons why, but uh, it's just again, it's just been kind of a struggle, you know. And I don't really have the answer to that. You know, I'm I'm trying to figure it out, but um, <laughs> you know, I hope to be out playing again. You know, I'm, I'll be doing my best to make it happen. You know. Um, but it's uh, the other thing I'll tell you, quite honestly, it's just it's really not that easy to get guys to play that this kind of material, you right, know. 
Right. I mean, I mean, Dave LaRue, he's, he's a gift from God. I mean, I, I, I can't even believe I'm working with this guy because I've been waiting for this guy for 40 years. <laughs> but I mean, you know, he was working with Steve Morris, who's probably, you know, maybe one of the greatest guitar players who ever lived. Right. Mm. So it's pretty good, you know, and, uh, it's taken a while, but at least, you know, I'm able to, you know, I'm still making this music and I, you know, I, I think it's better than ever, you know, from, from my point of view anyway, I feel that it's just really, uh, I'm still, I'm still doing it. And that's the plan. You mm. know, like he said the bucket list, well, the bucket list is to continue to put out music and a lot more frequent than every 10 years, you know? Mm. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. It's awesome. And it's, it's still great stuff. It's not like you waited all this time and put out Roas Ark and it was garbage. It's really, really good. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think Mr. LaRue would be playing if, if it was, you know, if he didn't feel good about it. I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, I guess he, he, ha he has a lot of, he's very confident and positive about the music and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I just, like I said, I, I, I really appreciate that. And, and any feed, positive feedback, you know, obviously is, is good and, and fuels it and, mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, it's just something I just want to keep doing, you know, and to the best to the best of my ability. And, you know, I'm just going to keep doing it, man. You know, it, it's already been 40 years. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, yeah. I think most of the guys who would have quit would have would have quit by now. Right. Or have quit right. by now or qu put their guitars down a long time <laughs> right. ago. So still plugging away. And, and, you know, you never know. Magic Elf may come out of its coffin as well. Nice. You know, nice. anything's possible, you know. <laughs> But again, you know, I, I wrote that music and I'm writing this music. I mean, yeah, the band name is just, you know, it's just a vehicle, really, you know, as long as you can make the music exist somehow yeah. and get the musicians to play it, you know. Do you um, have do you have plans to play live with the, the current lineup? Uh, we've talked about it, you know. Um, again, while this release is really new, you know, and we are going to follow up with another release later this year. Mm-hmm. And then, um, hopefully, after that, um, maybe we'll be able to get out and do some playing. I mean, which would be which would be great, you mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. um, at the moment, the answer is no. But you know, I I'm hoping either later this year or maybe next year that we'll actually be able to do a little bit of touring. Mm -hmm. Are the other guys in Tampa too, or are they indifferent? Uh, no. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Dave LaRue, the bass player, is is also in Florida, and uh, Van is in the Northeast. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hmm. Well, we would um, if you if we can catch you live sometime, we would absolutely definitely like that. Yep. Yeah, I, I will. I will certainly keep you guys posted on that if that's happening. Are are you still in the Rochester area? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But we do travel on occasion, so. If it's not in New York, we can we can travel out outside of the state. <laughs> well, I, 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 if we do end up touring, I, I mean, I am, I'm sure we will be in the Northeast without a doubt. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, first of all, Dave, I'm from up there. Dave LaRue's from up there, and Van's still up there. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm, I'm sure we would be out that way. You know. And uh, you know Rochester. I, I know at least back in the day, it seemed like a, a, a good music town. I don't know if it's still it, still hopping up there. It is pretty good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For I mean, it's not not a huge population here, but um, the music scene is pretty pretty good, pretty diverse. Yeah, I mean, it was like that. Is that House of Guitars place still there? It is. 
So, well, somehow it still it still goes still on. standing. Yeah, <laughs> that was a crazy place. Yeah, it, it, I haven't been in there in a few years, but I'm guessing it's still pretty crazy. <laughs> I couldn't see it any other way. So the next release, do you have an idea of how many songs might be on it? Um, it will be another EP, uh, either two or three tracks. Um, there's one track titled um, "Voyage of No Return." That's kind of like a very long epic track so i need to uh think about if i if i want to do three tracks or two tracks i mean the other thing with this music again I, i'm like i said i'm trying to figure this all out but mm. what is what might be cool about an ep is that there's less for people to digest so it's like each song will get a little bit more attention yeah you know if it's released versus let's say if i release 10 or 12 songs and then it might be like song number nine just kind of gets buried you know but if you only release two or three tracks then it's almost like this people have there's more uh attention to those three or right. two you know I, I i don't know if this is true it just seems that way yeah no. so far you know it's like oh wow like you know like is there any more coming carl like I, people are asking me like is there anything else like you know they they kind of get to know those those few tunes so i mean that's kind of cool but um also for this kind of music i mean you guys can let me know what you think but you know especially for instrumental music that's kind of involved mm. um you know it's a lot to digest no yeah. i mean it's a lot you know there's a lot on the plate so right. e even if i were to release a full-length album which I, I was initially planning on doing I, I i would definitely keep it under 50 minutes you know i'm just mentioning you know like i think it's too much yeah you know um a lot of the records i listen to that i love you know from back in the day they're they're like 40 minutes long yeah you know? right. yes. i agree <laughs> you know, like van halen one i think is what like 38 minutes or something you know right 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 yeah you know you don't hear people complaining about that i mean this is just my personal opinion yeah no you know, i i just feel like 70 minutes it's just a lot to digest and i i as, it depends on the style of music but for instrumental music that's really involved i don't know if a 70 minute release is is the best way to go mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um so um i think there might be something positive about this you know these ep releases you know two or three songs i mean i think this release is only 19 it's 19 minutes you know actually it's there's a lot of music already there those <laughs> yeah you know, on those three tracks you know? yeah yeah so well, I, we've listened to it and we really enjoy it and it makes us like it, but it makes us also want more. So yep. maybe you're onto something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I had some advice from, uh, fr from someone in the music industry, I guess I, I won't disclose their name, but they're, they're managing a, a very popular band in this genre that was kind of following their advice you know um on on how to proceed so it's not 100 percent my doing you know i am getting some help from some people who, who are are into it you know and are just trying to help me move forward and um and i appreciate that of course but yeah i mean and i'm learning you know it seems like everything's really different even from 10 years ago you know mm -hmm. from how things are going i mean so um yeah, I, I'm just, I'm going to, like I said, I, I, I'm dedicating myself to at least one release a year, if not two, you know. Well, we look forward to um, 
and then as far as the albums, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm not sure. I, 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 what do you guys think about vinyl? Are you guys hearing anything about vinyl releases? Or are people more into that? Yes. We love vinyl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we know That's a good. lot of people. really happy. Yeah, yeah. We know a lot of people that also yeah. love vinyl, so. Yeah. I mean, because one thought I had was to bypass a CD release and actually just print vinyl, you know, but I'm not sure. I'm going to have to figure that one out. Yeah. That might be good, but it's it's expensive, you know, compared yeah. to a CD release. Well, I think it, yeah, yes, that's true. Um, but um, I think uh, what I've been, what people have been saying is that they they really like the artwork that can come with a vinyl, yeah, piece of vinyl as well. So it yep. allows for more artwork. Yeah, definitely. So that's something to consider, you know. Yep. Definitely true. Yeah. Well, um, we want to thank you for talking to us. Thank you. I, I appreciate the time, guys. And um, the, I appreciate the support and the interest. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, is there anything else you want to mention in closing? Um, please, if, if anybody's into the music, please follow us on Facebook if you can. We will, when, uh, when we post a show, we'll, um, we'll link to your Facebook page. We'll link to your website. Um, okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, everything's on Facebook and I have the website actually, if you go to rosark.com, it'll take you right to our band camp page, which is another thing I set up, you know, like all, all these things like band camp and all this stuff. This was all new to me. Yeah. You yeah. know, I never dealt with this before, but it's cool. Yeah. You know, it's all cool. So, and it seems like everything everything just revolves around social media. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> it's really. I mean, back in the day, Magic Elf days, we had a database of you know people were writing letters in. You know. Yeah. And we get like hard copy mail coming. In. <laughs> just like, yeah. So the good old days. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the good old days. <laughs> oh, but what I wanted to say um, is that I'm actually gonna. I plan on putting out a vocal record. My wife is a, a vocalist. That's how I met her. Oh, wow. She's actually a nurse now, but <laughs> she's... Um, I want to do a record for charity, you know? So I've been thinking about doing a, a charity for the homeless for a very long time. It's something that I really want to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do uh, more of a blues rock, progressive-tinted record um, with my wife singing you know that's really cool where the proceeds would go to charity and i i just want to do that because that's something i've been thinking about doing you know one i love blues music you know yeah uh two i'd love to do something with my wife singing on it yeah. not that she's a blues singer so much but she's more you know she's more of a rock singer but and three i think it would just i'd feel good about it if i could just I'd like to do something for the charity situation. I mean, honestly, for me, when I drive and I see homeless people, it kind of makes me sick. You know, I don't. I know we part of the thing is not to discuss politics, and I don't want to discuss politics. No. Uh, but you know, it's just been one of those things that really bothers me. You know, yeah. Yeah. and uh, if I could do a little bit of, I mean, honestly, as much as complaining, I like to do. I feel very fortunate to be playing music at this. You know, still, yeah, forty yeah. years in. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I'm very thankful for that, and. Uh, 
So that's a project I really want to do. And it'll be a little easier than the Magic Elf slash Rose Arc stuff, which is extremely involved, yeah. you know, and to put together. And something that's a little bit more mainstream, a little bit more rock and roll, uh, which which I'm totally into as well, by the way, you know, and with vocals, um, it's something I really want to do. So that I hope to have that together moving early into the new year, you know. Well, that's really I'm cool. I'm finally all set up here that I can record music at any time and, and and mix it and master it and get it, you know. And and now I could with my distribution company, I could have it out on iTunes in a few in a day. You know? <laughs> that's so great. there you go, you know. So it's all up to me right now, you know. Well, that's really cool. We I'll def- keep you posted on that. I know yeah, you guys aren't rock rock for sure. technically blues company no, over there, but we, I'll definitely keep you posted. We like on that it. stuff too. Yeah. 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 Okay, guys, I'll keep you posted. Thanks again. Thank you very much. To you. you Thanks, too, Carl. Carl. You too. Stay safe. Appreciate it. Take care. You too. Bye now. Bye. All right. Well, I really enjoyed talking to Carl. Absolutely. And I wish him all the success in the future. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to what he does next. Yeah. Same. Yeah. So do you want to wrap things up? We're going to play one more song. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. We're going to close the show out with one more song by Carl Roa. This is a song that he wrote for the Warmth in the Wilderness CD, Jason Becker Tribute. The song is called Captain Courageous. Until next time. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Don't be an asshole. And stay away from the rotten rye. Thank you.